have an awesome time on Wednesday night? I tell you, uh, Durin Gray laid it out biblically and theologically in such a sound way. And I, w- I would encourage you, if you miss Wednesday night, go back on our YouTube channel or you can Google it on Facebook. Google it on Facebook. You can search it on Facebook and, uh, and listen to that, uh, that, that message that he gave to us. Because we're kicking off our study on building a multi-ethnic church, all right? And, and so uh, there's a lot that, uh, that's going to be said through this series and as we study it. So I thank God for those who connected and uh, that registered and are going to walk through the Bible with us. We're going to use this resource tool that during Gray, the Lord gave him the wisdom to write. But we're going to use the Bible to walk through and understand kingdom principles and understand what the mystery of the church is. Now, guys, I've been in this thing long enough to know. I'm 58 years old, been passing here 32 years. Everybody don't like what the God, what God is doing. All right. Everybody don't understand what the Lord's purpose and plan for his church was all along. So what my, my job is, 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 is as your pastoral leader is to, is to lead you into the depths of God's word to get wisdom and understanding from the scripture about what God's purpose is for our church. Amen. Let me even back up. I'm not going to say our church because it's not ours. You ought to clap on that. As a matter of fact, in your handout, I said, I'm entitling this first lesson, God's plan for, and I italicize his church. Can I get a witness? Uh, but I know that there are some people who, who, who may not have studied the Bible in depth. There are people who are, who are, who are more concerned about cultural nuances than they are following God's word. And so uh, I'm okay if you are where you are right now, but I'm not okay if you stay where you are. Can I get five witnesses up in here? Because what we're going to do is we're going to see what God's plan is for his church. Amen. I was um, uh, just this past week, I got received a, a message uh, to call an individual back. I didn't know this individual and the number was, a, was not in this area code. And we get calls all the time at the church. And, um, and some are uh, legitimate calls, and some are, are kind of on the fringe. Uh, and so uh, this particular call came in. I, I didn't return it immediately. And then uh, the, hus- the, the husband called back and asked me, uh, he called back to the church, and so I returned that phone call, and he asked me if I would, uh, would uh, contact his wife and pray for her. Um, and w- so I did. I said, obviously, I'm going to pray for people. Uh, but I, when I made the phone call and the lady started talking, she talked a good 35, 45 minutes. And I'm listening to this, her, her talk, and I'm like, I don't know about this, all right? And so I'm sitting here wondering. Uh, but then uh, she, she said some things, and, and certain things clicked with me. But I was out walking the next day, and the Holy Spirit told me, says, you remember that part that she says that she had a vision or a dream and her husband was in the bed sleeping? And she said that uh, she saw demonic spirits rise up uh, uh, or demonic spirits that were hovering over her husband saying, I don't want to change. I like the way I am. I'm not going to change. Leave me alone. Because she was telling me about her husband and some of the things that he was doing and, and, and that needed changing in their relationship. And so I prayed over all of that. Uh, then she said, she said, those demons went away. 
her husband was asleep the whole time. And then she said at night, uh, her husband woke up and said the very same thing that those demonic spirits said. I don't want to change. I like things the way they are. And the Lord said, you know what? You thought that was just a random call. Because this lady come to find out, uh, the, the, the man had asked me to go, if I could go with his, his wife, go, go, to, go to the house and pray for her. And I thought he said Homer Louisiana. I thought he was talking about Homer, H-O-M-E-R. But this lady was calling, and this man called us from Homa, H-O-U-M-A, in the New Orleans, greater New Orleans area. Uh, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, how did you get our number? What made you call our church? And, and she said, uh, the, her husband just uh, looked us up on the Internet and called Northwest Louisiana, about five hours away from where they're located, and asked me to go over there. Well, even if it was home, I said, well, you know what? Prayer can travel, so I don't have to drive over there to pray for you. <laughs> Amen. Because Jesus just spoke a word and said, hey, your, your son is healed. He didn't even have to go to the man's house, right? Or your servant is healed. So I prayed with him. But, it was, but, but the Holy Spirit told me while I was walking, he said, that was not just a random call. When I, and he brought to my remembrance what that lady said when she saw vision, where demonic spirits were saying, we don't want to change. We like the way we are. Just leave us alone. I'm not going to change. And what I thought about was there are some, there are some in the body of Christ or some who, who think that they are saved that don't want to change. Remember we did the series Commitment to Change? We, we, we unpacked several weeks of that. And that was not by accident, guys, because God is doing some things. And what I'm afraid of, we have some people who want to stay right here. I don't want to change. I like the way I am. Don't bother me. And what God is saying, if you're going to go with me, if you're going to be effective, you have to be willing to change. Touch a neighbor and say, neighbor, there's some change going on. Now, guys, let's go to the scripture text and we're going to begin to unpack. I will not get through with all this today. I'm telling you up front. All right. But you're going to have an opportunity to unpack some of these things as we go through. But I want you all to listen to me. I, I received some questions. Uh, for, for the uh, Durham Gray, but, but I, I received one set of questions from, from an individual. Uh, and again, I appreciate the questions coming. Uh, but these questions, they had about 10 or 11 questions. Um, and those questions really didn't address anything scripturally or spiritual, uh, which let me know that there's, there's some teaching I got to do. They were asking stuff like this. And again, I, I welcome questions. I don't, cause I don't know where you, where you are until you tell me. Now the Holy Spirit can give me discernment, but this person asked questions like, well, one of them I threw, threw at Dr. Gray, uh, Wednesday night, which says change into a multi-ethnic church. Why and why now when the racial tension are at its apex? Durham Gray says, that's the perfect time to be teaching this. Because when we look at it, the body of Christ, we're going to see that, that when you come into Christ, your ethnicity takes a back seat to your relationship in Christ. Can I get a witness? So it's the perfect time to deal with it. And because if we don't do it, we're not being obedient to scripture. Are y'all with me? The next question that person asked was, uh, what is your objective to becoming a multi-ethnic church? To be obedient to the scripture. And we're going to see that as we unpack this. And whoever, whoever wrote this, I, I appreciate you, you sending it because, uh, I need, I need you to understand that, that 
if, if you will sign up for the class and go through it, you're, I think you'll be able to answer all your questions. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at some of these as we go through this teaching. The next question was this, number three, which really kind of made me scratch my head. Who, when, and how was it decided that we should become a multi-ethnic church? Was this an administrative decision, a church leadership decision, or a vote by the church membership? No, it's Bible. We will never vote on what the scripture teaches. Are you listening to me? What do we quote every Sunday? Uh, and Jay, if you can find it, pop it up. Who are we? We are what? Disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community at large. We will reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's who we're seeking to become. Notice it does not say we are an African-American church who consistently walks in the grace of God. Because what you're going to discover is when we study the scripture that in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither black nor white, Hispanic or Asian. So if your focus is on your ethnicity, then you, you better be careful because you will make your ethnicity a God. I need somebody to talk to me. One thing I said when, when this church called me to pastor 32 years ago, this is what I told him. I said, I'm willing to do this if, if you all are willing to follow the Holy Scripture. That's all I know. I know Bible. And the Bible has transformed my life. The Bible has, has, has cleaned me up. It's a two-edged sword that cuts to the dividing of some of marrow, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And, and, and it's, it's, it's made me who I am today. So we're going to follow the Bible and not some social justice platform. The Bible speaks to social justice. Use the Bible as your guide to deal with every aspect of life. But, but again, I appreciate the question because I don't know where the person stands until they ask the question. So don't think that I'm being critical of the question. I'm just going to tell you that we're going to see that, that, that when it comes to the things of God, and we're going to see when it comes to kingdom principle, that, that this is not something that you vote on. Amen. It's in the word of God. And so my question to you as we go through this series is, do you want to follow God or do you want to follow your way of thinking? And you got to decide that because it, we're, as we're going to go with God. Okay. So if you, if you don't want to go with God, then I can't help you. Okay. But, but then there are other questions that came through there, and I'll, I'll unpack some of those as we get through here. But let's go to the scripture text real quickly, okay? All right? So, so again, the person who asked those questions, really, I, I, I'm open. As I always tell you, my doors are open. You always can come in and ask me questions. Come down. Let, let's sit. That was given anonymous, anonymously. But, uh, the, but if you have questions, call me. We'll walk through the Holy Scriptures, amen, and see what the Word of God says about every issue. Uh, but what we will not do is, is veer from the word. Amen. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to God. Matthew, the sixth chapter. And uh, we'll um, begin our reading at verse number nine. And Jay, if you will, pop that up in the King James version of the scripture. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number nine. And we see where Jesus is teaching something here, teaching his disciples how to pray. And guys, I want to tell you, you don't want to get sidetracked with other ancillary stuff. The devil is going to come after us. 
Listen to me. The devil is going to come after you because he does not want the church to be the true church. All right? He's going to come after the church that's doing it God's way. So be ready. The Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. So if you're going to live for God, if you're going to live right, expect the enemy to come after you. Are you with me? But that's okay because we just, I just told you, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So if I got God on the inside of me, come on, what the devil going to do? Come on, are you, are you ready to fight? What was the last series we, we talked about was get ready to fight? We're talking about fighting for truth. Now, guys, I told you, and Durbin talked about this on Wednesday night, quit being discipled by Fox News, MSNBC News, and CNN. Let the Bible and your spiritual leadership disciple you from the word of God. Exegeting the text in context so that we can understand what God's will is for our life. Listen to this. Let's, let's, let's move. We got to move, okay? The text says, after this matter, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Read with me. Next verse says what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is where? In heaven. Keep reading. Give us this day, y'all can quote it by heart, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What? Amen. And let's go to Revelation in the seventh chapter. Now, Jesus said, when the disciples asked him, how should they pray? They said, pray, the one aspect of that prayer was, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Go to Revelation 7 chapter, look at verse number 9 with me right quick, okay? Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. The text says this, and after this, this is John the Revelator, John, who, when he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, is now getting a, a picture about what's happening and what, what, will, what will take place in the end times, all right, and what's happening in the heavenly realm. Now, notice what John says here. John the Revelator, the Holy Spirit gives him wisdom and insight as, it, as what's happening in the heavenly. We don't know everything that's going to go on, but we, we have glimpses of what's happening in heaven. But notice what's happening in heaven because Jesus says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So what's happening in heaven? Look at the text. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man can number, all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white, white robes and palms in their hand. All nations. It's not talking about the United States or Great Britain or, or Czechoslovakia, if it's still a country. I don't know. Uh, if, or, 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 or whatever. It's, nations means nationality, ethnic groups. So if in heaven, all nations, all kindreds and people and tongues are standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Look at verse number 10. Let's read together. And they cried with a loud voice saying what? Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Here you see a picture 
of, of, of praise and worship happening in heaven. Notice, it did not say the white church was over here praising him. The black church was over here praising him. The Hispanic church is right here praising him. And we all are happy little selves in our own little corners praising God. No, it says they were all together around the throne praising and magnifying God. So now if that's what's happening in heaven, Jesus said, here's what you should pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So if this worship experience is happening in heaven, he says you should be praying that it happens in the earth. Everybody say that's Bible. All right. It may not be what you have always thought about, but that's Bible. Now, here's the problem. And understand, understanding kingdom principle is something that, uh, that many of us are not familiar with. So to understand the kingdom of God, we need a basic understanding of an earthly kingdom and how it operates. Okay. So we're going to walk through some of those, but, but, but I want you to, Go with me to Ephesians, the third chapter, right quick. And we're going to look at verse number 1 through 12. We're going to, we're going to unpack, because in order for me to understand the kingdom of God, I need to have a semblance or understanding or knowledge of how an earthly kingdom operates. Because God is always giving words and, and examples and, and types to bring us to a level of understanding. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to go to the New Living Translation with that. Glory to God. The text says this. Here's Apostle Paul. And we talked about this on Wednesday night, the second chapter, but it's third chapter. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan, into this, everybody say plan, into this plan regarding Christ. Next verse. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. We're going to unpack that a little bit later, okay? And this is God's plan. Everybody say God's plan. Say God's plan. Say not my plan, not a Baptist plan, not an Episcopalian plan. Not an assembly of God plan, not a Methodist plan, but God's plan. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews, these are different ethnic groups. Guys, in order to redeem mankind, God had to pour out of himself and come and interject himself into humanity. Because it was a human that messed it up in the garden and it needed to be a human to fix it in the earth realm. So what God did was God pulled out of himself and, 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 and was interjected himself into human history. Now, in order for him to interject himself into human history, he had to come through a, a family. Are you with me? He had to come through a family. So he chose a family to come through. All right? And those, that family that he chose to come through was the, the ethnicity. They were, they were Jews, the nation of Israel. We're going to see the seed of Abraham. All it'll be unpacked as we go through here. Says, but both, so if you just just for our purposes, so you understand it, as far as God is concerned, at that point in time, and, and it, it, it's just being writing, written, 
there was, you were either a Jew born into the, the family through which the Savior was going to be birthed into, or you were a Gentile, as far as God is concerned. Now, there was, Gentile is all different types of Gentiles, but, but, but for simplicity purposes, you were either a Jew or a Gentile. Y'all got that? All right, so that was different ethnic groups. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Let's keep, keep reading, keep reading. It says what? Uh, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Paul talking. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone, look at this, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. We're going to unpack it, if not today, next week. Listen to what Paul says. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept what? Secret from the beginning. It was God's plan all along, but it was kept secret up until the appointed time. How many of you know God has an appointed time for an appointed season for certain things in this, that happens in the earth realm, right? Sometimes we're trying to move before our season. Sometimes we're trying to move before it's, it's, it's our time. But if you stay with God and learn how to move in his timing, Listen, guys, you, you'll never fail. Amen. Look at the next verse. It says what? God's purpose in all this was to do what? Use what? Use what? To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly place. God was going to use the church to show his manifold wisdom to the angelic chorus. Those angels, good angels and bad angels. I told you on last week, God uses the church to show that angelic chorus that if he can do more with less, when less is dependent upon him. Can I get a witness today? So, so, so 11 and 12, and we're going to jump onto that text. Okay, watch it. Watch what this. This was his what? Eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So we know that there was a mystery. There was a mystery that was, that, that was a secret that was kept from the foundation of the world. It was always God's plan, but man didn't always know fully what God's plan was. And we'll see it. And, 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 and we're going to see that God even prophesied this, pr- this plan to Abraham, the one who he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. We'll see it as we get through here. But again, in order to get there, guys, in order for us to get understanding, we got to understand kingdom principle. All right. Because if if we're to pl- pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Wouldn't it be wise for us to understand kingdom principle? Would you agree? Well, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the study we did back last fall, Kingdom Disciples, at the end of this. Uh, but to understand the kingdom of God, we need a basic understanding of an earthly kingdom and it's how it operates. So, so definition, what is a kingdom? 
a, a, a king, an earthly kingdom is a territory or domain that's governed by a king. The king has what? Absolute authority and influence over a people and has a responsibility to his subjects for their well-being. His dominion and his authority are what? His dominion and his authority are what? Absolute, guys. Listen to me carefully. Every kingdom must have a king, but it is also true that every king is automatically a lord. Are you with me? A lord is defined as someone having power, authority, or influence. He's a master or a ruler. You know, it's, 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 it's this quality of lordship that distinguishes a king from a president or from a prime minister or from a mayor or from a, from a, gov- from a governor. In fact, the king's lordship, guys, makes him different from any other kind of human leader. Leadership, lordship makes the king unique, all right? So we're talking about kingdom. If you got a kingdom, you got to have what? A king. The most common word in scripture is the word lord. Uh, Keep in mind that this word does not exist in democracy. We don't have any lords here in the United States of America, do we? All right? And we don't have a king. We have a democracy. We have a president. We elect people, governors and mayors, all right? But but the word Lord doesn't exist in our society, a socialist society or in a republic, except for the word landlord. How many of y'all ever had a landlord before? A landlord is someone who owns property and they allow you to stay in their property, on their property, and for the privilege of staying there, you have to do what? You got to pay rent. You don't own the property. You can't go paint the apartment purple because it does not belong to you. Are y'all with me today? So, 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 the, so our closest uh, analogy and mindset to what a Lord is, is, is a landlord. They own that and they can tell you when your lease is up, you got to go, right? Or if you're in there tearing his property up, they can tell you to get out of there. Or if you try to stay there and don't pay your rent, they can tell you what? You got to get out of there, okay? So the landlord is the only common uh, remnant of kingdom in in, in our modern government and and in our Western societies. But the concept of Lord is one of the fundamental principles of a kingdom. A king's sovereignty is absolute, guys. He isn't voted into nor out of office or power. His sovereignty is by birthright. The same is true of a king's lordship. All kings are automatically lords, but not all lords are kings. Now, keep this in mind. We talk about king. A king relates to dominion, while lord relates to domain. Let me explain the difference. The word dominion refers to the king's authority or his power. The word domain refers to the territory, the property, all right? The the geographical area over which he has, his authority extends, guys. And so when we look at that, understand that Jesus, and why am I talking about this? Because because we don't understand kingdom, we come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ not understanding kingdom, and we come to the church thinking it's a democracy. And it's not. It's, It's kingdom living that we are supposed to buy by. And who is the king? Who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus Christ, our Lord. How many of y'all have ever tried to negotiate with the king? Let me see some hands. How many of y'all negotiate, Lord, well, if you do this, I'll do that. 
king got absolute authority. He lays down his word and his law, and he has the expectation that we will follow that because we are living in his what? Kingdom. He said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus always focused on the kingdom. I I need you to hear me now. He always focused on the kingdom. The kingdom concept was born in the heart of man, placed there by his creator as the purpose for which he was created. Despite the fact that there were many types of kingdoms throughout history, there are certain characteristics common to all kingdoms. So so let's look at the characteristics of, of a kingdom. The kingdom of God also possesses these components. Well, first thing is, uh, if you got a kingdom, first of all, you got to have a king. The king is the embodiment of the kingdom. He represents his glory and his nature, the king, all right? The kingdom is a reflection of the king. If the king is evil and corrupt, guess what? The kingdom is going to be evil and corrupt. If the king is honorable, truthful, and kind, then his kingdom will also be the same way. Authority flows from the king and the word of the king is supreme. Now, that's important because you got to decide, okay, if I'm a born-again believer and I enter into the kingdom of God, who is the Lord in his kingdom? It's Jesus. So if his word is absolute, then if I'm operating in the kingdom, then I can't afford to try to do church my way or what I'm comfortable with or what I've been used to doing. Because the king says, my word stands. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God says my word will what? It will last forever. It will stand. All right? So, 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 despite the fact, again, that there are many types of kingdoms throughout history, there are certain characteristics coming off. First of all, there's a king. Second of all, there's a territory. The territory is the domain over which the king exercises total authority. The territory and its resources and its people are all personal property of the king. Guys, I told you before, the Bible says you have been bought with the price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to him. Are you with me today? So if you are saved and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't belong to yourself. So even though you may think a certain way, if you're going to operate under kingdom principle, you got to let your thinking dissipate and take on the thinking of the king, the Lord. Jesus Christ, Philippians 2 and 5 says what? Let this mind be in you that was also what? In Christ Jesus. I told you and I asked you the question uh, the other, other week, a couple months ago, have you lost your mind? If you have not lost your mind, get busy losing it. We got to get busy losing it. Because guys, here's what, I, here's what I discovered. In the church today, people have all kinds of things that are influencing how they live in the kingdom. And God says, if you're going to be my true servant, if you're going to have the type of kingdom impact that y'all say every Sunday, then we got to stop thinking about how we used to do it or the way it was and start thinking about what does God's word say and let me, let me, let me push into that. Can I get a witness? So, so the territory, uh, you know, Remember, the word Lord signifies ownership by right. Lord is only given to the one who is the sovereign owner. That's why the scripture says, and, and, and pop this up right quick, Psalms 24, verse number 1, from the King James Version of the scripture. Psalms 24, verse number 1. When he pops this up, all of y'all will have heard this before. But, but listen to what Psalms 24 and 1 says. As a matter of fact, it says what? 
The, come on, can we read together? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that what? Dwell therein. I'm going to read it from the NLT. The NLT says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. That's what the psalmist said, right? So, so, so the earth, so everything that's happened in earth is a part, it's, 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 it's God's kingdom reign. Amen. Look at the next thing. The constitution is the covenant of a king with his citizens and expresses the mind and the will of the king for his citizens and the kingdom. All I'm doing now, guys, is, is, is getting us to understand earthly kingdom so we can have a concept of what a spiritual kingdom looks like. Because we don't talk in kingdom terminology, we talk in democratic terminology. We think that democracy is the way the church is ran, and it's not. The church is a theocracy, not a democracy. Now, again, if there's things that, that, that say, for instance, we, if we decide we want to uh, build a, a, a $10 million building, then obviously you come together and say, hey, guys, here's what I feel like God is saying. What do y'all think? All right? So we're going we're to do it that way because guess what's going to happen? In order for to build a $10 million building, building we got to give toward that, right? So on things like that, but, see, but even a building, really the building is not the church. But when it comes to the things of the church, the will of God for his, his body of Christ, then those things are non-negotiable. Let me say it again. It's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable when the Bible says, forgive those who've hurt you badly. That's not, I know you think it's negotiable. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't never forgive them. I ain't never forgive them. What, 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 what did the Bible say? What did Jesus say? Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Right? It says forgive our debts or our trespasses as we, as we in the same similitude that we forgive others, their trespasses. So, so some of y'all may not have your sins forgiven because you hadn't forgiven others. But in the kingdom, if you're going to operate in the kingdom, you got to do what the king says. All right? So, I like what Paul says. Paul says, um, Paul says, I have been crucified. Galatians 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, it's not about me any longer. Remember when Paul was in jail and people were preaching Paul says, okay, I know they're preaching out of jealousy and, 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 and envy, but you know what? They're preaching Jesus and people getting saved, so more power to them. All, all I want to see is the gospel spread. Are you with me today? So we got, we got the king, we got territory, we got the constitution. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the Bible, the constitution, it, it's the king's written governing laws, rights, and privileges for his people. The Bible contains the constitution of the kingdom of God, which details his will and his mind for his citizens. I told you before, Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Fourth thing, the citizenry. The citizenry is collected of the people that live under the rule of the king. Now, you, now listen, everybody who says they are born again believer should be operating and living under kingdom rulership. If you are part of the body of Christ, you got to make up in your mind that you're going to live under 
his rulership. So we got with the citizens, with the people that are here, and there are benefits to living under the king. The king is obligated to care for and to protect all of his citizens and their welfare it, because it's a reflection of the king himself. So we got the citizen, we got the law, which constitutes the standards and the principles established by the king himself, by which his kingdom will function and be administered. No kingdom is just left to itself. There are rules, there are laws that govern how we should operate. Look at King David understood uh, the principle of, uh, of, of laws in the kingdom. In, in Psalms 138, if you can find it, Jay, pop it up real quick. Psalms 138, verse 2 through 3 says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. The laws in a kingdom cannot be changed by the citizens, nor are they subject to a cultural change. This is, this is key. Let me say it again. When you look at an earthly kingdom, we got to look at that to get a glimpse of how a heavenly or spiritual kingdom operates. The laws in a kingdom cannot be changed by the citizens, nor are they subject to a cultural change, a citizen referendum or, or debate. When God said it and we understand what he said, then we have an obligation to do it. How many of y'all want to change some stuff in the Bible? Oh, you're looking at me like right now. Some of y'all really wish God had said, if somebody mess with you, you go get them. Because some of y'all feel like, okay, all right, y'all looking at me this way. How many of y'all have ever wanted to get somebody back for doing your own? Let me see your hand. All right, okay, here we go, here we go. Right, I'm not going to let anybody slide on this. How many of y'all ever felt like getting somebody back who did you wrong? I, I don't care how fleeting it was. Okay, so how many have never felt like getting anybody back when they did you wrong? Let me see your hand. Okay, y'all in the back. Okay, Kate and Earl and, 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 and uh, uh, Ethan raised their hand, and they always getting each other back. Guys, the natural tendency, the fleshy part of us wants to get them back. But God says, listen, I will fight your battle. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I'll repay. So you have no business as a kingdom citizen trying to get somebody back. As a matter of fact, you know, customarily we say we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. But you not realize that as a citizen of the kingdom, you're not, it's not your job to fight in the, in the sense of, uh, getting somebody back. God has angelic beings there to do the fighting for you. Are y'all with me? So our job is to pray. Our job is to stand in faith and trust God and do his word. Okay. So the law, uh, the law, uh, uh, the laws in the kingdom cannot be changed by the citizen. Simply put, the word of the king is law in this kingdom. Number six, the privileges are the benefits the king lavishes on his faithful citizen. Okay. Number seven, the code of ethics is, is the acceptable conduct of the citizens in the kingdom and their representation of the kingdom. We're talking about how does an earthly kingdom operate so we can get a glimpse on how the heavenly kingdom operates. Okay, the army. The army is the kingdom system of securing its territory and protecting its citizens. Okay? Um, uh, no, as I said earlier, this kingdom concept presents a challenge to our religious thinking of the church as an army. A careful study of, biblical, uh, of the biblical constitution of the word will show that the church, as Jesus established it, 
is not identified as an army, but as a citizenry, a family of sons and daughters in the nation. As a matter of fact, go, go with me to Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26, and look at verse 52 and 53. Matthew 26, verse 52 and 53. So we're trying to get an understanding of the concept of kingdom. Why am I, why am I harping on this? Because I, I believe that there are many Christians who don't understand the concept of kingdom living. So they, they have the mindset, well, you know, if I feel like doing it, I'll do it. And if I don't want to do it, I, I don't do it. Or if I don't agree with what Scripture says, I just ignore it. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers only deceiving your own self. Look at what Jesus said here in Matthew 26, 52. It says what? Ready, read. Put away your sword. Jesus told him, those who use the sword will die by the sword. Look at verse 53. It says what? Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them what? Instantly? That's what he says. Go, go with me right quick to Psalms 78. Psalms 78 and verse number 49. I'm just telling you, we have an angelic host that does fighting for us. Now, we all, God told us to fight the good fight of faith. But we got help. Jesus, I could call angels right now and wipe everybody out if I so choose. Psalm 78, verse number 49. Let's read. He loosed on them his fierce anger, all his fury, rage, and hostility. He dispatched against them a band of what? What kind of angels? Destroying angels. There is an angelic host that is subject to the king who rules in the kingdom. And if the king so desires, he can send an angelic force to destroy the enemy's work. So stop trying to do what was given to the angels to do on your behalf. Quit trying to get folks back. Are y'all with me today? Can I give you one more just for good measure? Go to Psalms 103, verse 20 and 21. I'm just walking through the scripture. So if we don't understand the concept of kingdom, you'll live your life and be a member of a church thinking that, that, that it, it operates one way when it actually operates differently. Jesus focused on kingdom. He says, thy kingdom come. If you got a kingdom, you got to have a king. The kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Look at the text. It says what? Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Let's read. It says what? Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, you armies of what? Angels who serve him and do his will. Second, the ninth thing is a commonwealth is the economic system of wealth which guarantees each citizen equal access to financial security in the kingdom, okay? All right, let's keep moving. Uh, lastly, the social culture is the environment created by the life and manners of the king and his citizen. That happens in the kingdom, guys. This distinction in the kingdom culture is evident in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he said in Matthew 5. 21 and 22. Look what he says in Matthew 5, 21 and 22. And then we're going to jump into what is a kingdom disciple. 
He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told, watch this, we're talking about kingdom living now. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to what? Judgment. How many of y'all know that's still true today? If you kill someone, you're subject to judgment. He says, that's what you heard. But he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about kingdom living now. He says, that's what you heard. And, and that's true. But when you're operating under the kingdom, look at what he says in the next verse. Watch this, watch this. But I say, everybody say, I say. The Lord says, the king of the kingdom says what? If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, somebody better repent right now. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Here's another one. It's not only, not, not, I'm, I'm, I won't go there, but I'll just quote it. Remember when Jesus said, he was talking about adultery. See, in, 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 the, in the secular world, if you commit the act, you're guilty of adultery. But Jesus said, everybody said the king said, the king said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's kingdom living. All right, so some of y'all have committed adultery. Some of us have committed adultery in our heart. Now, how many of you know you can look on a woman but not look on a woman with lust? We have some beautiful women in this church. Can I get amen, brothers? I don't be scared to say it. Can I get amen, brothers? I know your wife looking beside you here saying, it better not be nobody with me. No, listen, you're not. listen let's be honest. There, you, there's more than one pretty person in the world. And beauty goes beyond the outward appearance, in my opinion. There are people who, 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 who the world would describe as being beautiful, but they're ugly on the inside. They, to me, they look ugly. You can look on someone and not be committing adultery when you don't look on them with lust in your heart. That's the difference. He said, look upon them to lust after. All right, then you commit adultery in your heart. That's, that's kingdom. Kingdom living. Kingdom living is, okay, you, you may say, well, I, I, you know, I, I, you know uh, uh, but pastor, you know, I, 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 uh, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, I trust your leadership as my pastor, but you know, I just, I just don't know why, why, are, why you know, why are we talking about uh, uh, pushing a multi-ethnic church? We're not pushing a multi-ethnic church. First of all, we're pushing obeying the Bible, and we're gonna look. We gotta look and see what the scripture says about that. Because I'm, I'm gonna be biblical. I, listen, I'm gonna go to my grave being biblical. All right, so you can shoot at me if you want to, but I'm gonna preach what scriptures teaches. Okay. I, I, man, I, I got to get the look. Look at this. What is a kingdom disciple? A, it, we, we learned this in our study. A believer in Christ who takes part in the spiritual development process of progressively learning how to live all of his life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what a kingdom disciple. We learned that last fall, right? What's a kingdom disciple? A believer in Christ who takes part in the spiritual development process of progressively learning how to live all of their lives, all of it, how you handle your finances, how you do marriage, 
how you rear your kids, how you go to work, how you do church life, how you interface with your in-laws, how do you treat somebody who doesn't look like you, all of that should be subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ if you're going to be a kingdom disciple. Amen? Are y'all still tracking with me? Look what Matthew 28, 16 through 18 says. Let's go. I pray that y'all are listening to me so we understood what an earthly kingdom looks like to give us a glimpse or an insight into the spiritual heavenly kingdom. Because if Jesus said, pray that thy kingdom come, that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, why do we not see it happening on the earth? Now, we know historically... Durham Gray did a, a yeoman's job of, uh, of giving us the, the context of how we are, how we got to where we are today. But guys, we understand that it was because of uh, segregation and, and racism that we that we have separate churches. Because you know the, the white evangelical church wouldn't even let blacks come in and, and worship. But guys, we're a, how long do we keep looking back and not saying how we change this? Here, here's where I am, guys. You can sit back and you can complain about racism. You can you can complain about everything you want to complain, I want to know what you're going to do about it. See, and when somebody starts to get ready to go do something about it, then the devil gets busy. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And some, some of y'all got to hear me because some of y'all look at life totally from the, from the natural standpoint. Hear me carefully. The sin of racism will never be solved. As a matter of fact, sin is going to be here until we get to the rapture, but that pervasive uh, uh, suffocating sin of racism will never be dissolved until we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ get it right. It's got to start with the church first. (laughs) Judgment is going to start at the household of God first. Oh man, gosh, 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 gosh. Lord Jesus, man, my time is running. The mystery of the church Guys, that's the mystery of the church. We're going to see it here in just a second. Uh, my time is running. I don't know how many can't get to the day. But we all come back next week. Guys, we're going to see that all along, it was God's plan. As a matter of fact, when he, when he prophesied and spoke to Abram, uh, Abraham and and. and, and in Genesis 17, let me read this and we're going to go there right quick, okay? We all, we all bear with me in my folly just for a second. We all bear with me? Because we got to understand this. I'm tired of folks talking. And if you try to approach the issues solely from, from, from a political standpoint or, or a social standpoint, then you're going to always fail. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need laws. Hear me carefully. We need laws to protect against injustice. And discrimination. But what I'm telling you, and you ought to know it by now, we've had laws. I think the Civil Rights Act was signed into law in 1964. How many years ago was that? Do the math. Do the math. Do, do the math. 57? 57 years ago. Okay? Do we still have issues of racism? Do we still have issues of discrimination? Yes, because the law can't change a man's heart. Only Jesus can. 
That's why it's got to start in the church. You can put a law in the book and a man will find a way around the law if his heart ain't right. And the church has to be the example. Oh, gosh, I need to tell you all this, okay? Can we read this right quick? Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Look at the next verse, read. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven. I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Watch this, next verse is what? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nationalities. Now, guys, understand something. This very statement here was revelatory because, again, you know, the the, the gospel came, uh, Jesus Christ came, he was birthed through the Jewish nation. And the gospel was first preached to the Jew first. But what Jesus is saying is now, listen, take this message to everybody, every nationality. And guys, when somebody comes join this church, listen, the, the first thing I want to know is, are you born again? And, and secondly is, did the Holy Spirit lead you to come to our church? It don't matter what color you are. And if you, if, if you keep judging people based on their outward appearance without even knowing them, shame on you as a believer. The, see, Kingdom disciples don't think that way. They think like their king. And that's Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, therefore go and make the disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Okay? All right, so, so the word make disciples is, is an imperative, which means it is a command, not a request. The goal of kingdom disciples is to live transformed lives that transform the values of the kingdom of God to earth so that they will replicate themselves in the lives of others. So the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. Go in right quick to, to, to Genesis 17. Watch this. And, and guys, next week we're going to talk about understanding the mystery of the church. I, I don't have time to go into all of it today, but I, I need to kind of give you a glimpse of it. Can I give you a glimpse of it? Because understand, go back and study this, and, and, and in, you know, in, your, in your small groups on Wednesdays, you introduce, uh, you'll get introduced to each other. There, there'll be two or three questions I want you to kind of ponder. Until you understand earthly kingdom, you won't really have a concept of the spiritual heavenly kingdom. That's why I gave you this, to understand it. Because there, there are people right now, and again, there are a baby Christians who don't understand kingdom principles. Are you with me? You know, th- there was one question that was asked, and, and again, I-, I appreciate the question because it, it gives me the opportunity to, to, uh, to actually uh, delve into it. Uh, it's, the person says, EBC is an African-American church with over 130-year history. Are we to change and dismiss our history as if it never happened? I think I read it earlier. But what, what, what they understand is when you go to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and you begin looking at what the Apostle Paul says. Paul says, even as it relates to Christ, he says, he says, we once knew him according to the flesh. Jewish carpenter, that's according to the flesh. But he says, we now no longer know him according to the flesh. Because now that his death, burial, and resurrection has, has taken place, he's not a Jewish carpenter, he's the savior of the world. And, and the Bible says, in Christ Jesus, that neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, for we all are what? One in Christ. That means my ethnicity, my, 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 my gender as it relates to uh, uh, being a, a, a stumbling block is, is, is dissipated now that I'm in Christ Jesus. So, so we don't say we are an African-American church. 
We know that we got African-Americans in here, but we are first and foremost a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I entitled it God's plan for his church. So we're going to be his church. And obviously we celebrate our history. We celebrate where we come from. Uh, But how in the world do you make the leap from uh, dismissing our history because the church is coming diverse? I don't understand that. Unless your history is your God. I like what Durbin said. You know, people say, well, stop talking about history. We talk about history. But so, but we all, all throughout our society, in our school, we look back at history. And you better, you better study history because if you don't study, you are doomed to repeat it. The bad stuff. Are you with me today? All right, watch, 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 watch. All right, so go right quick, real quick to Genesis 17. So, so again, we no longer know Christ according to the flesh, and we don't deal with people in the kingdom according to the flesh, according to outward appearance, according to ethnicity. I don't deal with you that way. I deal with you according to kingdom living principles. Now, I was surmised that all of us got some work to do. Look at me. I love you. I love you enough to keep preaching truth to you. I love you enough to challenge your way of thinking that's not lined up with kingdom principles. It's getting quiet here. Genesis chapter 17. Watch this. Verse number one. Paul even describes this. Paul describes this in Galatians 3 and 8, I believe. And I'll, I'll hit that and then we're going we'll to go to the house, okay? All right. Will y'all come back next week? Will y'all come back next week? So don't leave the church now because I'll tell you the truth. Paul said, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I love you guys. And I, I'll, here's what I always say. If you got a question about something, come and ask me. My door is always open. People say, well, no, Pastor, nobody want to come. No, I need you to be biblical. If there's a question, you come and ask. Okay. But probably as, as you study this, you're going to see it clear. Text says, when Abram was 99 years old, and remember, God has a plan that was already established on the foundation of the world. He knew that he was going to redeem mankind. Are y'all trying to rush me off? Okay, I just, just, just. y'all, okay, y'all sneaking up behind me on this. <laughs> when, uh, I'm just messing with you guys. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, "I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life." Watch this. I will make a covenant with you, by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Watch the text. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, watch what God said to him. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, guys, I've read this all all my life. And and for years, when I read, because I wasn't thinking kingdom minded, I was thinking nation meant a a lot of different countries. But he's talking about a lot of different nationalities. He said, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude of nationalities, ethnos. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called what? Abraham. For you will be the what? Father of many nationalities. Because remember, the gospel, the seed of Abraham was Jesus Christ walking down the old preachers, you say, through 42 generations. 
to be born in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus came through that Jewish lineage, Abraham, but it was not just for the Jews. He says, I'm going to call you Abraham. I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham because you will be the father of many nations. Go to Galatians 3, and I think it's verse number 8. And let's look at that from the KJV, Galatians 3, verse number 8. Now watch this. Y'all just saw that, right? God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. How is that going to take place? It's going to take place through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Listen to what the scripture says. This, this jumped off the page of me when I was reading it last night. It says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Watch this. Preach before the what? Preach before the what? The gospel to whom? I thought the gospel was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that was all that it was. Because people say, all I'm called to do is preach the gospel. Look at what the text says. He says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach before the gospel unto whom? Abraham. Genesis 17. Saying, okay, what gospel did he preach? What gospel did he preach? Here it is saying what? Oh, y'all got to read with me. Come on. In thee shall all nations be blessed. Look, the gospel unto Abraham was the fact that through Jesus, the seed that traveled through 42 generations, born in a manger in Bethlehem, crucified on Golgotha's hill, stretched high, amen, stretched wide, buried in the borrowed tomb, rose again the third day morning, through that death, burial, and resurrection, every nationality would have the opportunity to be in the family of God. That's the gospel. That's what it says. So are you ready to run? Are you ready to understand God's plan for his church? Are you ready to go? Now, listen, you, you can't get distracted. <laughs> my daughter sent me um, uh, a video of my grandson, you know, uh, for his birthday. He just turned uh, nine on July 31st. And he bought him this little scooter. And uh, he's been riding this scooter. He's, he's, he's riding the scooter. You got to be careful. Girl. He's riding the scooter. Kind of, you know, just riding happy, showing, kind of little showing out a little bit. And, and, we see for, and, and he, he like, yeah, look at me, mom, look at me, mom. Bam! <laughs> he ran slap dab into another little boy in the street that was, that was riding his scooter. And, 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 and when you look at the video, it looks rather violent. I mean, I'm, I'm promising you, like, bam! Uh, but they were okay. So I can laugh. Now, they were okay. I had to figure out he was okay first. But he just scratched his knee. The other little kids scratched their elbows. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't anything major, but they got back up and started going. So, so, so mamas, 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 little boys going to do stuff like that. So mamas, mamas, quit babying them. Quit bringing them inside. You got to stay inside for a whole week now. And I'll put a Band-Aid on, send them back out there. You'll be all right. But my point is, Ethan was moving fast on his scooter but he got distracted. And when you get distracted on this kingdom journey, you will wreck. You will shipwreck. You will run into something. And so I don't want anybody to distract. I want you to be dialed into this study 
and quit listening to your cousin them <laughs> and your folks and your coworkers who don't understand kingdom principle. Hello? You sit in there arguing with somebody who don't even study their Bible. Why are you doing that? They ain't going to ever understand. The Bible says these things are spiritually discerned and you can't understand it just by coming to church on Sunday. Okay? So we're going to talk about God's plan for his church. So y'all, y'all have a better understanding of kingdom theology? I like the way Tony Evans said, I'm going I'm to use it. I'm telling you, I'm going to use it. I'm going to steal it from Dr. Tony Evans. He said, instead of talking about critical race theory, which is an academia exercise, I don't, I don't need critical race theory. I need kingdom race the- theology. Because when I look in the Bible, I don't need an academia. It's, you better be careful listening to academia. Now, there's a place for academics. But see, sometimes man can get smarter than what he thinks he is. We, we told you on last week that God chose the foolish things in this world. He chose unlearned men to carry the gospel. Now, get, get your education, but, but critical race theory, you know, politicians will use whatever they can use to disrupt and to get votes and to divide people. And so politicians are now using that, that term. They, they throw everything into that. But I'm not going to talk about critical race theory. I'm talking about kingdom race theology. And when I look in the Bible, I see that, that, that in Christ Jesus, we all come in as one and we have to lay aside. I mean, celebrate you, celebrate who you are. I'm not saying don't be, be proud. If you black, say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Yes, I am. Are you with me? And then we get mad and somebody says, say it loud, say it, I'm white and I'm proud. I'm white and I'm proud. You, oh, oh, oh. Here's where I am. Now, y'all know me by now. And, and I, I'm going to cut it right down the middle. The Bible is true for everybody. And this, this, this erroneous teaching that, okay, blacks can't be racist is, is live. Whites are racist and blacks can be racist too. Well, you got to be in power to be racist. But well, tell it to the Jews. They were, they were constantly under Roman oppression. The, the Romans were, were in authority, but Jews were racist against the Gentiles. Guys, let me tell you something. Morality and right and wrong it has nothing to do with how many of you are, 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 are doing whatever. God's word should be our guide. And it applies to every last one of us. So we're not going to focus on race. We're going to focus on the kingdom. This ain't no racial study. This is a kingdom study. Understanding God's plan for his church. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and we praise you.